This audio is brought to you by MuslimCentral.com. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, everyone. Welcome back to Quran 30 for 30. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. We have uh, Sheikh Abdullah as, as always, and we have Dr. Nazar Khan from Canada. Alhamdulillah, President of Yaqeen Canada, Director of Research Strategy. And Mufti Abdurrahman was complaining, uh, Dr. Nazar, that we don't have enough desis on uh, Quran 30 for 30. So to really make this diverse, we have a Canadian desi uh, with us tonight, yeah. you know, just to, to really diversify. <laughs> How are you, Sheikh? How's everything? I'm good. Alhamdulillah. Jazakumullah khairan. Honestly, it's a pleasure to be with you guys on this. You guys are doing an amazing job doing this every single day. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you guys so much. MashaAllah. Allah It's a pleasure to have you and um, alhamdulillah. I mean, can you tell us about uh, what you're working on right now for Yaqeen? What's your next paper? <laughs> what am I working on? For right your papers now, are very popular, mashallah. Alhamdulillah. Well, uh, right now, the, mo- the one that I'm working on most closely is uh, related to the Quran and it's related to the, uh, the history of the preservation of the Quran, inshallah. So we're going to be doing all that. And subhanAllah, the more you research about the Quran, the more you realize we're all just novices in this ocean of field about the, the Quranic studies, subhanAllah. Absolutely. And for those who, of course, uh, Dr. Nazar co-authored with Sheikh Ammar Khatib the paper on Qiraat, alhamdulillah, on the recitations and the preservation through the recitation in the Quran. So inshallah ta'ala, we'll look forward to, to that with the night ta'ala. So tonight, inshallah, we're going to flip the order. Uh, Dr. Nazar and I are talking about the same set of verses. Sheikh Abdullah is going to be talking about the second uh, half of the juz, inshallah ta'ala. So with that, inshallah ta'ala, I'm going to go ahead and uh, begin bidnillahi ta'ala. And we are now in uh, juz 18, alhamdulillah, I time is flying. We are in Surah Al-Mu'minun, Surah Al-Nur, and Surah Al-Furqan, the beginning of Surah Al-Furqan. And inshallah ta'ala, we're going to start with Surah Al-Mu'minun and Surah Al-Nur and, um, and really focus on that because we know that especially Surah Nur has extremely uh, rich seerah background to it, which we spoke about last year, in fact, uh, with Haditha ifq with the slander of our mother Aisha ta'ala anha, and what that did to the Prophet وسلم, and his household and the community of the Messenger. But I want to focus on the connection actually from a seerah perspective between Surah Al Mu'minun and Surah Nur. Uh, the Prophet said about Surah Al Mu'minun in particular. He said, He said that last night, 10 verses were revealed to me. Whoever establishes these 10 verses will enter into Jannah. And the Prophet then recited, and he recited the first uh, 10 verses of Surah Al-Mu'minun. And so we find in Surah Al-Mu'minun, you know, these lofty qualities that, of course, if you have been watching the, the meeting Muhammad Sallallahu series and when we talk about the akhlaq of the Prophet Sallallahu the characteristics of the Messenger Sallallahu you match them up against the Prophet Sallallahu and SubhanAllah, he, he, as always, when you have good qualities in the Qur'an, uh, he is the greatest manifestation of them. But also, SubhanAllah, what you find is that the next surah, uh, in Nur is really what happens when you don't act upon the 10 verses of Surah Al-Mu'minun. So everything that goes wrong in Surah Nur or that is covered with which went wrong in Surah Nur of Haditha ifq is literally connected to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lists out in terms of Surah Al-Mu'minun and the Prophet then saying, Man aqama hunna, 
whoever recites them, whoever establishes them in their lives will enter into Jannah. So you look at Surah Al-Mu'minun, for example. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, uh, Those who are humble in their prayer, they're immersed in their prayer. And then uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, Those who restrain themselves from idle speech. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions those who restrain themselves with their wealth. They spend their wealth in the best of ways. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions chastity, right? Uh, those who guard their private parts. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the amanatihim wa those who guard their trusts. So these are the things Allah mentions within these 10 verses. Guard their prayer, they are they guard their speech, they guard their wealth, they guard their chastity, and they guard their trusts. And then subhanAllah, when you go into Surah An-Nur, uh, the breakdown of a society is when people depart from these things. So first of all, a person loses their prayer or a person who is not immersed in their conversation with the Creator is likely to fall into speaking about the creation in a way that's not praiseworthy, okay? So khushur in salah is directly connected to lahu in hadith, uh, which, which is immersing yourself in humility and silence in prayer and deep meditation, deep contemplation in prayer means that you will likely be more mindful when other type of speech is manifesting itself around you, particularly gossip and slander, right? So you will sort of shun that because you are still connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and maintaining that line of communication with God. But you see when you get into uh, into Surah Nur, uh, subhanAllah, uh, all of these things are covered, right? So immediately off the bat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in Surah Nur, the uh, you know the punishment for those who commit fornication, the punishment for those who commit adultery, and you can trace that back to where Allah Subhanahu wa Taala mentions the um, uh, those who guard their private parts, those who maintain their chastity. Uh, you go into, of course, then hadithatul ifk, right? The slander of our mother Aisha radiallahu taala anha and what that did to society, and this is such a powerful portion of the Quran. Because in the same set of ayat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning the gravity of the crime. Still, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is opening up the door for repentance. So Allah is teaching this society through the Messenger وسلم, who experienced this pain in his own household. SubhanAllah, it wasn't like you know something happened to a group of people in Medina and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed you know some a surah to address that. It happened to the Prophet وسلم, and his own wife and his own wife is our mother Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha and of course who was behind it the hypocrites because the hypocrites looked for ways <clears throat> to destabilize the community of the prophet sallallahu and it should be mentioned here that this is where they succeeded right so they did not succeed <clears throat> in destabilizing the muslims in badr nor did they succeed in uhud nor did they succeed in the khandaq nor did they they didn't succeed in the battles but they succeeded with their tongues and paralyzing the community with slander and gossip, which really shows you, subhanAllah, the effect of slander on a community, the effect of gossip on a community and how it can paralyze even the best community to ever live, right? Which was the community of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Those who guard themselves from idle speech. If you look at Surah Nur, 
The problem was not Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, you know, uh, alone, right? When he started the slander of Aisha radiallahu anha and made the suggestion. The problem was uh, those whose tongues met the slander. They met the slander with their tongues without thinking about what they were saying. That's who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is focusing this message on. Why? Because the hypocrites are the hypocrites. We know who they are. We know that it's only a matter of time before they're going to be exposed. But how is it that some of the most illustrious people in the community of the Prophet ﷺ fell into repeating the slander of Aisha ta'ala anha? Because of It's important to cut out idle speech. They could have saved themselves, but many of them did not save themselves because they merely repeated uh, what was said without thinking about it or repeated elements of it without thinking about it. So be mindful with your speech. Be mindful with your chastity. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions being mindful with your uh, with your eyes, lowering your gaze, and you know, particularly not to betray with your eyes. SubhanAllah, the khainat al-ayun, the betrayal of the eyes, um, which we see when it when 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 we when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the lowering of the gaze, as Ibn Abbas ta'ala anhu says, that's a form of amana, that's a form of trust. Why is it? called Khainatul Ayun. Why is it called the deception of the eyes, the betrayal of the eyes? Because he said, you see someone in front of you and you lower your gaze, but as soon as that person is walking away, uh, you look at them, right? So if, if, if a person walks by, um, particularly, obviously, you know, speaking to young men, if a woman walks by, you lower your gaze until she walks past you and she can't tell anymore that you're staring and then you look, right? So that's called the betrayal of the eyes. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the sense of amana, the sense of being trustworthy, right? Being trustworthy and not being deceptive with even your eyes, subhanAllah. And then finally, even when it comes to your wealth, uh, and Allah azza wa jalla mentions, of course, the highest manifestation of that, uh, do, do not let the people of virtue and affluence amongst you um, uh, to, to forbid, to suspend the donations that they were giving to Ulil Qurba, that they were giving to their close relatives, wal masakin, wal muhajirin fi sabidillah, and those that migrated in the cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and those who were needy. And of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, lakum. So let them forgive and pardon. Do you not want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive and pardon you? And this, of course, was with Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who uh, when you think about those who acted with their charity, Abu Bakr anhu is the opposite of the hypocrites. He's the opposite of the people that betray with their tongues, opposite of the people that betray with their private parts, opposite of all of them. And Abu Bakr anhu was giving charity on a regular basis to Mislah, who was one of his relatives, his poor relatives, who was partly responsible for the slander of Aisha. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals to Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu to continue his charity to uh, mislah. But he encourages it, not that it is sinful if he does not, but don't you want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive you and pardon you? And of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, we, we seek his forgiveness and his pardon. And Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu rises to the occasion. I'll end with one thing, which is one verse in Surah An-Nur that just brings it all back together. What is the purpose of this surah and how does it connect to the previous surah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya'idhukumullah an ta'udu limithlihi abada in kuntum mu'mineen. SubhanAllah. Allah forbids you from ever doing something like this again if you are to be believers. If you want to be considered amongst the believers, Allah forbids you from ever doing something like this again.
So Surah Al-Mu'minun precedes Surah An-Nur where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, don't ever do this again in kuntum mu'mineen if you want to be considered amongst those mu'minun, amongst those believers. So hold tight to the 10 prescriptions or else you'll end up with the tribulations that are highlighted in the seerah and Surah An-Nur right afterwards. Uh, inshallah ta'ala with that, I'll pass it on to Dr. Nazir uh, to continue to reflect on, on these ayat, inshallah ta'ala and Surah Al-Mu'minun, and then we'll, we'll move on to Shaykh Abdullah bin Nadai ta'ala. Jazakallah khair, Shaykh. Um, you know, subhanAllah, as you're mentioning these connections between Surah Al-Mu'minun and Surah Al-Nur, it gives us such a deeper appreciation for the message of the surah. And we see also those connections throughout Surah Al-Mu'minun and the connection also with the previous surah. So Surah Al-Mu'minun picks up right where Surah Al-Hajj leaves off. So the very last verse in Surah Al-Hajj is, Ya rabbakum. O you who believe, bow and prostrate and worship your Lord. And engage in good deeds so that you may attain success. And that's the opening verse of Surah Al-Mu'minun. Verily the believers are successful. And at the end of, the, of, of Surah Al-Mu'minun, we're told that God does not grant his success to those who reject him. So the concept of success links these different surahs. Now, even the way it's phrased is very interesting because technically that's in past tense. The believers have been successful. Yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about something in the future when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they're going to enter into paradise. So why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refer to it in past tense when it's talking about their success in the future? There's a few things we can learn from that. The first is that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala transcends time. He's the creator of time. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not bounded by past, present, future in the same way that we mortal human beings are. The second thing that we can learn from that is that the re referring to this in past tense shows us the certainty the assuredness, the definitive reality of the success that is being granted to the believers. And that the success that's being granted to the believers is one that is a success in this life and in the next life. That's, that's another interesting point about this verse because Allah subhanahu wa uses the word falah, which means success. But there's another word that means success as well in Arabic, which is najah. So what's the difference between these two? You could say that somebody was successful on their test. You say, uh, right? they passed their exam. But maybe they're not going to pass the next, next exam. They're not going to pass the next uh, you know, test that they have. So najah is transient. It's temporary. And it's only in terms of this worldly life. Whereas falah, it implies baqa. It implies permanent, enduring, continuous, everlasting success. And that is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling the believers that they will receive when they uphold those virtues at the at the uh, beginning of the surah, so falah is that is a comprehensive concept of success, and the surah elaborates on that concept of success. One of the very interesting things about the surah is that it connects that concept of success to our purpose in life. Right at the end of the surah, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Athahasibitum annama khalaqnakum abitha wa annakum ilayna la turjaun." Do you think that we have created you without any purpose and that you will not return back to us? Do you think your existence is pointless? Exalt is, is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the only true king. There is none worthy of worship except him, the Lord of the noble throne. In this passage, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is rejecting the concept of nihilism. 
this idea that life has no purpose or meaning to it, this idea that you know our entire existence is nothing more than the unintended consequence of different processes in the universe, and there's no there's nothing uh, you know no higher meaning or significance to what we're trying to achieve in life. This concept of nihilism is what led the um, atheist existentialist philosopher Arthur Schopenhauer to say that because life is just inherently human suffering it would be better if we did not exist at all. So the Quran rescues us from that kind of nihilism and it grounds us in the reality that yes, Allah created you for a purpose. Your existence is on this earth for a reason. There's, there's a reason for which you were created. You have a mission and objective in life. And when you fulfill that mission and objective, that is how you attain success in this life. This concept of success is one that it's, it's fascinating how we're constantly bombarded with different ideas of what success is in society. If, if you look at popular culture, you look at the self-help industry, you look at uh, uh, you know, the entertainment industry, we're constantly being uh, you know, bombarded with different ideas about this is what it means to be a successful person, right? This is a su successful entrepreneur. This is a successful business person. And often success, the metrics of success are materialistic gain, right? It's, it's personal profit. It's materialistic measures of success. And when things don't work out for a person, maybe in terms of their career or during the pandemic as it's, you know, it had a devastating impact on people, they're left questioning, you know, am I a successful person or am I a failure? You know, well, things aren't working out for me. What's the point of my existence? What makes my life worth living? For many of our youth growing up today, their understanding of success is tied to the success of, of their social media account, the amount of likes and shares that they get on social media. And that's what they tie their sense of self-worth to. That's where they get their self-image from. But the Quran is directing us to a concept of success that is much deeper than that, a concept of success that can never be taken away from us. It's everlasting. It's tied to our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's tied to fulfilling the purpose for which we were created. And that's the beautiful thing that's elaborated on throughout this surah. Now, um, Sheikh Omar mentioned the virtues that are listed at the beginning of the surah, and those are the foundations for us. But many of us forget that there's another set of qualities that are mentioned in the middle of the surah. And those are extremely important for our concept of success as well. The Quran is providing us a recalibration of our notion of what constitutes success. And if we look at the qualities of the believers in the middle of the surah, and we compare them to the qualities of the believers at the beginning of the surah, we'll notice something very profound. You notice that the qualities of the, uh, the believers at the beginning of the surah, they included, uh, you know, uh, being attentive in our prayers, uh, you know, uh, avoiding vain speech, avoiding sinful acts, uh, purity in our, in our wealth, purity in our body, guarding one's chastity, upholding our commitments, uh, and, and being observant about all of our prayers. These are all things that other people can readily observe about us, right? These relate to our outer actions. But now pay attention to what the qualities in the middle of the surah are. When you get to the inner center of the surah, uh, what are the qualities that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the surah? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Verily those who are in reverence and fear of their Lord. Those who have iman, faith in the signs of their Lord. Notice how uh, the, the, the phrase, Rabbihim, their Lord, repeats in every verse telling us that for the believers, everything revolves around their relationship with their Lord. That is what constitutes success for them. Everything revolves around their relationship with their Creator. Those who do not associate others with their Lord. 
And that association of others with with with, with, uh, with our Lord, it can be even in, 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 in terms of one's intention, right? Doing actions, not truly for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but having uh, the intention to try to show off in front of others or so that other people see us and, 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 and say, oh, that's a person who gave in sadaqah. That's a person who donated in wealth. So that's another aspect of that. And then the next verse, it, subhanAllah, what's really profound, and it's mentioned in the tafsir of Abu Hayyan al-Andalusi, this next verse combines the previous three. Uh, those who do their good deeds, those who give what they have, and their hearts are in a state of fear and reverence. Why? Because may, they're, they're worried that maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not accept this from them. And they have iman that they will return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we see in that verse, purity of intention. We see in that verse, uh, the, the faith that they will return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we see in that verse, the emotional state, the fear and the reverence. So these verses, they draw our attention to our uh, internal state. Just as we focus on the outer actions at the beginning of the surah, as we get to the inner center of the surah, we focus on our internal state. Are, are, am I really doing these actions for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What is the, the true motivation that I have when I'm engaging in good? Is it truly for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Do I feel a sense of fear that maybe my, I'm, I'm not doing my actions with true sincerity? That emotional state, that internal state is critical in order to achieve success. When we think about the discrepancy between us and the Sahaba, the companions of the Prophet Muhammad that discrepancy is not just in terms of deeds, but it's also in terms of thoughts and emotions. We need to have the thoughts that Abu Bakr as-Siddiq had. We need, have, we need to have the thoughts that Umar ibn al-Khattab had. Before uh, Khalid ibn al-Walid was successful on the battlefield, he, before those feats of triumph on the battlefield, there were the, 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 the successes and victories within the heart. And that's where we need to, we need to focus our attention to, to develop that correct understanding of success. And the outcome of that is then seen at the end of the surah, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, إِنَّهُ كَانَ فَرِيقٌ مِّنْ عِبَادِي Verily, there was a party from amongst my servants. They would say, uh, my Lord, uh, they would say, my Lord, uh, we believe, have, have, have mercy on us, forgive us. Verily, you are the best of those who show mercy. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the Quraysh, You took them as objects of ridicule. You didn't see these to be successful people. You saw them to be losers in society. You made fun of them. Which caused you to forget our message. And you laughed and mocked at them. On this day, I will uh, reward them for their patience and perseverance. Verily, they are the ones who are truly successful. And then at the end of the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us to make the same dua as, the, as those believers to emulate them in our character and make the same dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and say, my Lord, have, have uh, forgiveness, forgive me and have mercy upon me. Verily, you are the best of those who show mercy. When we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his forgiveness, it removes any internal obstacles to success, our own sins and shortcomings. And when we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his mercy, it removes any external obstacles to, uh, to success, any difficult uh, circumstances that may befall us, that may uh, divert us from the path of success. 
one of the, the biggest obstacles to success is our own self-sabotaging. And in this surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructs the Prophet Muhammad to say, uh, to seek refuge from the evil whisperings of, uh, of the shaitan. To seek refuge from those uh, possible inclinations that will divert us from the, from the path of success. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst those who are truly successful and enable us to fulfill that, that vision of success. Jazakumullah khairan. I mean, barakallah feek. Absolutely beautiful, subhanAllah. And by the way, it's interesting, subhanAllah, that what you're talking about here, the observable and the, the internal, uh, and how those things are connected. The amount of people with an ifk, like the slander, that actually refuted it or rejected it were an extreme minority, right? Like that's a small group of people. Most people were just quiet about it all. Then you had the group of people that were actively, you know, putting it out there, the hypocrites. Then you had those that were kind of, you know, buttering it up, a little extravagant with it. And then you had those that, the Abu Ayyub al-Ansaris of the world. And subhanAllah, as you were talking about these different things, Abu Ayyub, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, was known for his zuhd. He was known for his asceticism. And when his wife brought up uh, the ifk, uh, he he said, like, I wouldn't believe it about Aisha, radiallahu anha, as much as I believe it about you. She's our mother. Like, he rejected it altogether. And there are connections between those attributes, right, that you're talking about, the observable, the uh, the parts that are deeply spiritual that then generate in a strong response, right, in us a strong response to these things when they come out in that way. So jazakallah khair for the beautiful connection uh, with those things. Sheikh Abdullah, bismillah, take us away. Bismillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi man wa la amma ba'd. This surah has a, a special place in my in my heart, and uh, it reminds me of Subhanallah when I was a student in Al Madina, and I was sitting with an elder gentleman. He was a convert to Islam, Mashallah, but he was a, from, as we say, from the old school, uh, you know, Mashallah, back in the Darul Islam movement, Mashallah, in America. And uh, he looked me in the he looked he he was asking about my studies, house studies, and then he looked me in my eyes and he said. You need to read Surah. You're going back to America in the West. You need to read Surah Nur. He said, make sure that you read that Surah. Very, very important. And I can tell when he looked at me like that, I, 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 when I got back to Medina, he lived in Jeddah, Mr. Siddiq, mashallah. When I went back to Medina, I read that Surah and I said, SubhanAllah, SubhanAllah. But just reading it in the Arabic language and further asking questions and dissecting it, you know, every time you read it over and over again, you, you learn something new. And, you know, just the way he looked at me when he said, when you're going back to this place, you need to read this surah. I already had uh, a framework uh, when, when reading this surah for, you know, the whatever time I was reading it. And uh, subhanAllah, as was mentioned earlier, the story of ifk, the story of the slander of Aisha radiallahu anha. Surah Nur is, you know, the word that comes to my mind with Surah Nur is chastity. And, you know, subhanAllah, you know, the word chastity can be something that is generalized and it can be have a cultural nuance to it. But there is a universal construct to the word chastity. And I mean, that ultimately goes back to the natural inclination that we have called the fitrah. Uh, subhanAllah, when we see the things that happen in this chapter and the instructions, the instructions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to us on how to act. I mean, even when looking through the peephole at someone's house, there is a there is certain adapt. How you seek permission to knock on someone's door. There is, you know, this is mentioned here. The, the verse about hijab, chapter 24, verse 31. This chapter, verse 31, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes in depth about the hijab. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about, subhanAllah, this story of the ifq of Aisha. 
which is roughly verse number 11 to verse number 21. And they call this the, the 10 verses of the if. Now, if linguistically can mean kadib, or it means really qalbu shay, as Tahir bin Ashur mentions, that is qalbu shay ala haqiqatihi. When you flip something that's opposite from its reality, you're not telling the reality, you're telling the total opposite of what it is. And that's exactly what a lie is. And that's why subhanAllah, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talked about Musa uh, and the hayya and his, his staff, that the staff will eat what they from which is what the magicians are proposing or what they're trying to bring forth which is a deception which is a lie which is not reality and that's why subhanallah when we see we use this word it's important to remember that it is exactly that it is a slander of umuna our mother aisha anha. i want to touch on one beautiful verse in this chapter uh, in these within these 10 verses, it's the last two, roughly it's 19 and 20, from the last three, 19 and 20, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَفْتَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ وَالشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يُحِبُّونَ أَن تَشِيعَ الْفَاحِشَةُ فِي الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمُ وَأَنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning a certain characteristic of people. And whenever, whenever Allah mentions a certain characteristic of people or an attribute of a characteristic of, uh, you know, uh, uh, or an attribute of a certain group of people, it's important to immediately look at ourselves and say, okay, am I from this? What have I done within the past, within the last, within the, this day or the past week or whatever the case may be? Self-accountability when reading these verses is paramount for being one that has husna tadabur, that ponders over these verses in a beneficial fashion that is pleasing to Allah. So Allah says, verily those that love for the lewd or love for the indecency to spread amongst or about the believers have a painful punishment waiting for them in this life and the next, this life and the next, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows and you don't. So we want to really split this up into three parts. The first part is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about those that love for the indecency to spread. Now, what's important here? is that Allah uses the word yuhibbun. He didn't say the ones that speak with fahisha. He didn't mention the amal. He mentioned the feeling. That is very important because within Ramadan, and inshallah not in Ramadan, not, not even out of, outside of Ramadan, online, when we spread these memes, you know, we share these, you know, these, these things of, somebody may have recorded themselves doing something that is not befitting for a human being, nor a Muslim, and then we spread it around, and it's something that that person may or may not want to be known, but is it fahisha? This is the question. Is it that which is indecent, that which does not lead to having good thoughts about one another, that which leads to uh, that which is different from, that, that goes against the beautification of the fitrah, of the human being, and their honor, and their respect? Does it do that or not? Especially online when it's just the press of a button. We have to be very, very cognizant of that. But even this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, those that love for that to happen. You didn't even press the button, but if you had the opportunity, would you do it? When you see that come on your phone or you see someone text you something, do you spread it to other people? Or in your mind, you say, and erase it. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about. The feeling. This is very important. Not the action, the feeling. And we talk about fahisha. You know, Fahisha, you know, the one that loves to do this is, as they say, an Aib. 
and it's you know from uh, exposing an aura of someone because when it is something that is indecent you are getting involved as the scholars you know you know categorize the aura into two types the aura hisia or aura ma'nawiya the aura hisia is that which we know of the private parts that which is the aura that is the private parts and the aura ma'nawiya is su'al khuluq wal kalam al khabith yani the the bad actions and bad manners this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about when he talks about the fahisha so the ones that want this fahisha to spread now you'll see some translations that say amongst the believers it can also be about the believers and then you know if we say amongst meaning about and this is fine but it's important to capitalize on that because this is in the context of a, about a believer aisha that was ghafila that subhanallah she didn't even know what was being said about her until she was with someone and the individual the woman she tripped over her dress and she cursed her relative that was one of the people that was speaking about Aisha and lying upon her. That's how she found out. She had no idea. By the time she found out, this news was all around. SubhanAllah, totally oblivious of that. And that's from the chastity of Aisha radiallahu anha. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, the ones that love for this to spread fiddladina aminu, scholars have mentioned that this could be of two types. The ones that love this indecency to spread amongst the believers or about the believers, whether it's indecency to spread about Muslims, or the indecency about one Muslim. It's important that we make the effort to cover the faults of our brothers or our sisters. If someone does a sinful act, you know, if you may be at a conference, you know, uh, you know, and you may be somewhere and you see, you know, the the, the young man look uh, at women. Everything he looks, he's looking left and right, left and right. He can't control himself. If you see that, and you're you're an older man, older gentleman, older woman, pull him or her. To the side and say, well, "Look, I see you. I see what you're doing. Just you know, you need to relax, calm down. You know, saying Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is watching you. You know, and imagine if that was your daughter, your sister, and someone was looking in that fashion. You pull them to the side, min wara al hijab. You give them nasiha. You give them advice. But if that advice, the person doesn't take it continuously over a long period of time, it could reach to the level where it's your responsibility to expose them for what they're doing. Especially if someone is trying to get married." And then you know this brother since he was young and he's getting involved in lewd practices and something that is not permissible. It may be your responsibility to disclose that. But initially, when you see that, hear that, read that, etc., it's important to give advice. And I really want to capitalize on this. We should not be complacent or lazy when giving advice. And the scapegoat that we always use is, I don't want to cause fitna. I don't want to ruin the relationship. Well, lie, we have to give advice to one another but what's most important for the nausih, for the one that is advising, is to want that believer to win. We want them to win to get to Jannah. We want them to be a better individual. We want them to leave that lewd practice or that certain thing that they were doing consistently or that you've seen the first time. We really sincerely want better for them. Because don't hate, don't want, don't want to sound cliche, they are our brother, they're our sister. We really want good for them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning that, and that's the second part, that we should, you know, really want good for them and give the advice and cover them. Because as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in an authentic hadith uh, in Sahih Muslim on Abi Huraira radiallahu anhu, where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said that there will not be a servant that covers the faults of his or her brother except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cover their faults on the day of judgment. But as we mentioned, the guidelines is very, very important. 
You don't cover their faults for so many years where they oppress other people because you're afraid to expose them because no, there's those guidelines that was mentioned earlier. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Lahum adabun fi dunya, lahum adabun alimun fi dunya wal akhirah. Wallahu wa antum la ta'lamun. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says here that there will be a painful torment in this life and in the next. Not only this life, but this life and in the next. This is very important for the one that is a believer, for the one that voluntarily believes in Allah or is trying to do better in the community and within themselves. Because you remember, this could be something that spreads and, and causes havoc amongst communities. And remember, when something is said about someone and that person made Toba, everyone is going to remember what was mentioned in the beginning. The news of them making Toba, becoming a better person, you may be the person that sees them improve, but everyone else is remembering what you said because you were hasty, you didn't give advice. You didn't call them, you didn't text them. They're alive and able to receive the advice. Give the advice, and that is the best way, inshallah ta'ala. Then Allah ta'ala concludes and he says, Allah knows and you don't know. Allah ends it with this because the knowledge is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of the reality of those people. When we watch all of these shows that are built on conjecture, when we hear rumor reports and we watch all of these rumors, people having positions and jobs based off of telling rumors, it is not fact. It is conjecture. And then we send it and text it and send it to other people talking about how much money this person made. What is the benefit of all of this? How does this increase our iman? We have to stop and ask ourselves, how is this increasing my iman? as a person that voluntarily loves Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and is trying to be a better person when all of these distractions are bombarding me and taking me away from the remembrance of Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concludes, and I'll end here, uh, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the the, the, the the next verse when he talks about, if there was no fadlullahi alaykum wa rahmatu. And I want to just mention this. Allah mentions fadlullahi alaykum wa rahmatu. If it wasn't for the bounty of Allah and his mercy, he mentions this four times in the chapter of Nur, three times within these 10 verses. And when he mentions it, half of the time he's talking about if it wasn't for his fuddle and his bounty upon you and his mercy, you would have fallen into the sin yourself. So those that don't fall into the sin, let's not think for a shadow of a doubt that it's never possible. Always remember that they are shaitan that has the what that is trying to call you to that. And because of the fuddle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his mercy upon you, you did not fall into that slander. You didn't fall into getting into those groups that are non-beneficial at two or three in the morning in Ramadan. You didn't fall into that. You, you, you exited certain groups. You fasted from your electronics. You did those things that allowed you to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that kept you away from those things. So let's remember the beautiful this beautiful verse in regards to our social engagements, social media, online and even offline in the masjid when we involve ourselves with people and watch what we say when we're in certain gatherings and making sure that we don't violate a right of a Muslim, which is which is one of the maqasid of the sharia, preservation of the honor. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve us all. Amen. Jazakallah khair, Shaykh Abdullah. Dr. Nazar, you have any anything final words you'd like to share with us? Yes, Mahala, just hearing uh, Sheikh Abdullah make that connection with, um, you know, our attitudes on social media and, uh, you know, the, the verses in Surah Al-Nur made me reflect about how, um, Sahala, we live in an age today where we have almost an unlimited amount of 
information at our disposal about other people's personal lives. And yet uh, we, our spiritual development has not kept up with our technological development. And so we're witnessing the ramifications of that, right? When, when people don't have the spiritual and moral technologies, but they have the social media technologies, you know, something can go viral in just seconds. And subhanAllah, I, I always say like WhatsApp forwards, they don't have any snag to them. They don't have a chain of narratives to them, right? So these things just go viral and we really have to be conscious and observant about how we use these technologies. No, it's, it's subhanAllah, as, as they say, and uh, I think it was in the Muqaddimah of Sahih Muslim, of uh, Minhaji, Sahih Muslim, Yaman Nawi, Sammu Rijalakum. You know, they say, you know, tell us, tell us your isnad, tell us who, who, you know, who said, I think I said this last year in 30 for 30, but it was a real good friend of mine, Mr. Mustafa Murtasa, mashallah, when we were first starting the university and, you know, somebody came up to us in the little convenience store and we were like young miskeen, we, you know, we just getting tuna every day, eating, mashallah. And uh, somebody comes and say, you know, the word on the street is that this took place and that they said about this. He was like, oh yeah, what street is that? What's the name of that street? And <laughs> I was like, uh, no, nah, that's just the word on the street. He's like, man, I don't take the word on the street. Okay, you, have, you, have to, you have to name the street, name the person. That's just unacceptable. So, Some great, great wisdom, man. Sage, sage wisdom there, mashallah. Zakmalakha. Mashaikh. Appreciate you both for the the uh interest of the audience. Again, yakinstu.org slash Ramadan, inshallah. You can download the Quran 30 for 30 companion guide as well as the dua a day and reminding you all to please support Yaqeen as well as Please join us for the webathon this Sunday, inshallah ta'ala. We're very excited about it to just see the diversity, inshallah ta'ala, of faces and uh, beneficial advices. And, and obviously, we count on your support, alhamdulillah. I mean, so we appreciate your support throughout the month of Ramadan. But as we will be heading into the 21st night, inshallah, that Sunday night, uh, ta'ala, we hope to have you there uh, with us, inshallah ta'ala, for the webathon. So please do join us and spread the word. Jazakumullah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.